sparkling water. My name is Joachime Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. Look at this! I got power back. I got power back at my house. Slept like 10 hours last night. I feel good. Today's a good day. <sighs> Is it possible to just sit with that emotion if we feel good about things? Maybe. This is one of those episodes I got nothing planned. I don't know. I don't know what'll happen. Um, for the last two months, I've been trying to do the fourth step in the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I've been procrastinating. The fourth step is when you do an inventory of your fears and resentments and And it's, it's three pages, basically. Three worksheets is usually how you do it. One is fear, one is resentment, and the third one is an, a, a look back on your conduct, your sex conduct, and how you've harmed others. And, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll talk about it at all, I don't know. The fifth step is to share, to share it with another human being. I did do this once in the past. I tried to do the 12 steps. COVID hit and I did things like I, I did the fourth step. I sit down and I write it down. And then the fifth step is you take that and share it with another person, which usually classically it's with your sponsor. And so COVID hit. And so we had to do it over Zoom. And it was kind of a wonky connection, and I just didn't feel like I got from it what I wanted to get from it. I love the sponsor I had back in Seattle, but it just didn't. There's just something about not being in the room, you know? And I say that, but I also think that I believe that there's room for improvement in the sense of if we just all get better internet connections and we do more, like if we, you get a fucking VR headset or some shit, like I think it can get pretty good to remotely connect with someone. But, but I think just the way human beings are set up, the way we connect with each other and talk with each other and read each other's signals, I think latency really fucks with our basic instinct. Like, there's something that's very hard to put your finger on where, like, if there's a, if there's a half a second latency in the call, that's very irksome. It just is. And we pretend like it isn't because it's the best we got and you can't magically remove that latency. But but when when you laugh at someone's joke, when you tell, when you jump in, when you talk over each other because of the latency, all of those things make you feel like there's just... Makes you feel like you're on opposing cliff faces and there's like a Grand Canyon in between you and you can yell across the canyon to the other person and you can do basic communication but when it comes to 
emotionally, in a deep way, feel connected? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're super starved for it, like if you've been alone for a decade and then you climb up on a mountainside and you've been looking for people forever and then you see another person on the next mountain over and you haven't seen anyone in 10 years and you start yelling at that person, I'm sure that can be super elating. Like, an, I mean, I'm sure you can feel elated and feel like that's a real wonderful connection you have with this person you're screaming at on the mountain over. But for us who aren't that, aren't desperate in that specific way, I, I don't know. I was in an AA meeting today and I was just thinking about how, because <clears throat> like uh, I've been, last couple of days, I've been looking at the, the all the graphs that we all look at about COVID and stuff. And it's, um, the graph just looks crazy. Not the death graph, not the hospitalization graph, but just a case graph. It's like all throughout the pandemic, it's been going up and down and up and down. And the way it's going up now, it's just like the, the seven day rolling daily average is just five times higher than it's ever been. You know, on Monday, America clocked in at 1 million new cases. And yes, Mondays are, are weird because it seems like a lot of cases that should have been clocked in over the weekend don't get clocked in. So maybe that's more, it's not really a one day number, but still it's a very high number. And a lot of people around me have COVID and I'm sitting there in an A meeting and it's just like, we're indoors. It's about 30 people in there, a couple of feet between everyone. I got my N95 mask. I've been wearing N95 masks the whole time. And be, for many reasons, but they, they're the masks that have the strap that go all the way around the head, which is obviously awesome. Because when you wear a mask all day, i.e. when you're a restaurant worker, for example, your ears start to hurt. But then the big thing about it, being a person with glasses is just that they fog up the glasses. So the N95 mask, I get it. So it covers... It, it presses real hard on my nose bone and then it's open below. So really I'm just breathing straight downward and it doesn't fog up my glasses and it's awesome. But now in the last two weeks, I've been taking that second strap, the lower strap, the strap that's always just dangling at the bottom of my mask that I don't strap around my head. I've been taking that strap and I've been strapping it around my head and I've been wearing the mask properly and it's very restrictive and it's very annoying. But I'm sitting there in the meeting today and I'm like, fuck. It's a good chance I'm getting COVID right now and I fucking hate it. I actually woke up today with a little bit of a sore throat. So I did a COVID test. I did a home test and I didn't have COVID. So that's good. Um, yeah. But I was sitting in the meeting and I was really thinking like how they will probably pretty soon come up with something which is just that thing you see in movies sometimes. Like a little robot that is maybe on wheels or legs or something and it can move around and um, 
it has a microphone and it has a speaker and it has a screen. And it's just like a stand-in for the people that aren't in the room. It's like, why don't we have that? Like, why isn't that a ubiquitous invention? It just should be. And you could make it kind of smart. Like, I feel like you could come up with a lot of things to make it kind of smart. Like, have it have legs or wheels or something, and it can tell who's talking because it's listening, and it'll just automatically walk over to whoever's talking. Like, what's so hard about that? Can't you just invent that? Have it just automatically walk. You can have it in different modes, but one of the modes that maybe you could turn off this mode because maybe some people would find it distracting, but it'd just be nice to have a mode where it just walks over to whoever's talking and just stands five feet in front of you and just films your face as you're talking. And then when someone else talks, it goes over to that person. It's like such a basic invention. Like, why don't we have that? Because they do hybrid AA meetings where there's like a laptop in the corner and there's 10 people in the room and you can you can tune in on Zoom and be part of it. And you can talk and your voice comes out of the laptop and you can listen because the laptop picks up the voices in the room. But as you can easily imagine, it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks. Sometimes someone is nice and will move the laptop around depending on who's talking, but really, I mean, I don't know. Um, man, my mullet needs a little bit of a haircut. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I tried to do the fourth, the, the 12 step before I, I got to the fourth step. I did the fourth step. All right. I think I made it too complicated. I would make a list of like 10 resentments and like 30 people I've harmed and all this stuff. And then I did a fifth step and we did it over zoom and, and I didn't feel like I didn't feel connected and I didn't feel like. Let's see if we're even recording. Oh, we're going. We're going. Um, So I'm doing it again. I started over from the beginning, and for two months I've been um, procrastinating with the fourth step. But I got it now. I did it yesterday. You know? And a new sort of North Star for how to do it, I think, is to just sit down and, and ask yourself, like, What is the stuff that in my day-to-day life is bothering me? Because that's the question. What are my resentments that I carry in my heart that I like obsess about in the day-to-day? And honestly, my two are, they're weird, but the first one is not weird. The first one is like, I just fucking resent myself for self-sabotaging my whole life and never really getting a real career going and always I've like never had a job for more than a year. Cause I was just leave. And I talked about that a lot on the podcast in the past of like, I moved to different places. I quit jobs. I desert friends, all those things, because I don't like how I'm feeling. So I'm like, we got to change something here. And I changed something external in In AA vernacular, it's sometimes called pulling a geographic. That's when you move to a new place, hoping to to change everything. And I've talked about that. And it's like I've pulled a lot. I've pulled 10 geographics, you know. Like I've said, fuck it, I'm moving to a new country. I've said that probably, I've done that like eight times. 
and not that I've been to eight countries, lived in eight countries, but moving back and forth and always feeling like something's going to change this time. But um, yeah, I resent myself for not just being okay with everything and just chugging along. But yeah, the key there is to just realize that this is who I am and I just kind of like have this shit thing, you know? I just had this like brain that needs a lot of help. Uh, fuck. It makes me feel bad saying that. Anyway, the other, the other one that I talk about, the other resentment is, it's weirder, it's like, it's all this stuff where I really resent people who disagree with me politically. Like, I love Javi, and Javi is a wonderful man, and somewhere in my mind I resent him for just not believing exactly what I believe. Because when he believes that... Like, we had a conversation about COVID, and he was like, look, if it was real, and there's lots of people dying and stuff, and... and it's a big deal, I would be hearing ambulance sirens all the time, and I don't. And I hear him say that, and I'm like, that's a, I, I feel like that's a shit argument. <laughs> and when I hear that, I, I feel so attacked. <sighs> oh, God bless me. I sneezed. I think I got some allergies. Um, I obsess about it. People disagree with me and I obsess about it. I think about it all the time. I think about it like every 20 minutes I'm like, God damn it, fuck shit, fuck, fuck. Why doesn't Javi agree with me? And the thing about it is like, I think it's a resentment and an obsession of mine because of because I think it attacks something in my emotional security. It just makes me feel insecure. I just feel insecure. And the key to it, which is a mental exercise that I can do at any moment, it takes a lot of effort, but I can do it at any moment. And when I do it, it feels like opening, cracking open a door in a completely dark room and having a little bit of light shine in. And it's this incredible feeling of lightness. And it's this incredible feeling of doubtlessly realizing that that's the solution and it's the it's an it's an exercise of humility of just realizing that like maybe i'm not completely correct about everything maybe i'm not completely correct about everything and maybe it's ridiculous for me to be completely upset with other people for not agreeing with me and there are many ways to do that exercise and there are many things that can support that exercise and for example i i am um, I listened to this one podcast, uh, the Lex Friedman podcast. I don't exactly know what I think about this guy because he might be a little bit of a, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but he might be a little bit of an annoying dude, but he's like a, a little bit nerdy and he's like, 
I don't know. I think he might be, I think it might be a pretty good podcast and I, I think he might be pretty smart. But so he was interviewing, ooh, this is a shame because I cannot remember the guy's name. His name is Jay. His first name is Jay and his last name is a long Indian last name. And I would like to renounce and deject myself for not remembering this long Indian last name. I apologize. It's just how it is. But this guy is a guy who wrote uh, something. The episode is called "A Case: the, the Case Against Lockdowns," and they have a conversation which is really a very. I see it as a very cent, center anchored, level headed, centrist, science based conversation of what's real and what's not real when it comes to COVID, and what's the government doing right and what's the government doing wrong. So they're clearly like. They look at all the vaccine data and they're like, the vaccine is fucking awesome because that's the real data. The vaccine is super, super safe. And the vaccine is a godsend for old people because the case fatality rate for old people, for like people over 60, is like 5%. Like if you're over 65 or something and you get COVID, there's a 5% chance that you die. It's fucking terrifying. And with the vaccine, it more turns it into the flu or whatever. And that's fucking awesome. And the vaccine is fucking awesome. And they acknowledge that and they want you to get vaccinated. But then there's the case about lockdowns. And it's like the lockdown conversation is more complicated. And there are many, and they bring up all these cases of how, examples of how the government is being a little bit hysterical. The U.S. government is being a little bit hysterical. And the, gov- the U.S. government isn't being very good at, at realizing the devastating economic harm to poor people that comes from the lockdown. And, you know, in, throughout this whole thing, it's very helpful for me to hear all of that because there's so many humbling lessons in there where I just like come down so hard on one side. And then listening to that really supports, really helps me relax a little bit and be like, look. Maybe I should be fucking humble here. And maybe I'm just wrong sometimes. And maybe I don't know everything. And in that world, it's okay for Javi to have a different opinion. (sighs) Yeah. I don't know. And then there's other stuff like yesterday I watched that movie Don't Look Up, which is a very, I think it came out a month ago and I think most people have seen it and and I enjoyed it. And it's like, it's this weird, (laughs) it's this weird exercise in, it's like pornography for people who want to be right, especially people on the left. And I read about it that it's a, so I'm going to spoil it for you now. Something in, I don't know exactly what of the stuff I'm about to say that's a spoiler, but but it's a movie where these two scientists realize that there's a comet approaching Earth that will hit Earth and, and it's a planet killer and everyone's going to die. And then when they discover that, they go on TV and say it and people just don't believe them because they it's set during like our time when we don't trust things. So as I'm watching it, I'm actually thinking about it in terms of COVID, where I'm like, we have this catastrophic, difficult, challenging event, and people just don't believe that there's a problem. And then there's this part in the end where like, 
the comet gets so close that you can just see it with your naked eye. And so there's like a Trump-esque president that his slogan is don't look up. And it's, it's funny. It's good. I mean, it's, it's funny. There are lots of jokes in this movie that are just good. That it's just a funny movie. There's lots of good comedy in this movie. And that point is like, it's not the world's smartest point, but it is. It's a, it's a decent funny point, though, to be like, there's some things that eventually you can just see him with your naked eye. And there are some things in the Trump world and in the sort of like corporate-fueled different things that, yeah, where they just want you to uh, to deny reality. But so I'm watching it and I'm seeing it as a as a metaphor for COVID um, because that's just what was on my mind, you know. People deny that there's a problem. You know, Javi had just told me that he doesn't think COVID is a – COVID is mostly invented or whatever. And then I read about it afterwards that it's actually the, the guy who wrote the movie actually meant it as a metaphor for climate change because he's like, we're destroying the planet, but everyone is saying don't like, or, and the people who deny that their, their slogan is really to say, don't look at those things. Don't look at the proof of how we're destroying the planet. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's an even neater metaphor then, because that's what he intended. But but regardless, it's like, <clears throat> it's pornography for people who want to be right, because there's this stuff in the end where all the people who are basically Trump supporters who are standing chanting and, and, and screaming, don't look up at their sort of Trump-style president played by Susan Sarandon, maybe? Um, Susan Sarandon. No, that's definitely wrong. <laughs> that's not her name. But um, Demi Moore? No. Um, there's this moment in the end where all those people look up and see the comment, and they're all like, you lied to us. And then they start attacking their Trump-style president. And it's like everyone on the American left wants that moment to happen, and that moment will never happen. And watching a movie where that moment happens is really, it's intellectually shameful somehow. It's really pornographic somehow. Because it's like, you just want to be right. And you want the other side to be wrong. And you make up this fucking fake-ass movie where the people who are wrong, who are on the other side who you want them to admit that they're wrong. You make us this fake-ass movie where there's people like that who just stand there and finally admit that they're wrong. And it's like, it's like, that's not the solution. The solution to arguing too much is not, I don't know. I mean, the solution is to give up and not argue and do what you can and and be nice and exercise compassion and <sighs> so somehow that movie made me feel worse it made me feel worse it made me feel like I wanted to argue more because I wanted the movie gave me a feeling like I might if I argue more I might get to that moment where people admit that where the people I disagree with finally realize that I'm right and that they're wrong and they'll finally stand there and be like 
And it's such a like rude depiction of those people too. <laughs> In the movie, it's like this crowd of stupid looking white people that are like overweight and poorly dressed and they're wearing these red MAGA hats. And they just have these stupid expressions on their faces. And they, like, look up and they're like, oh, look at that. What the heck is that? You lied to us. And it's, like, such a disrespectful depiction of fucking Trump supporters. As much as I, in my heart, 100% believe that that's what Trump supporters are and what they look like. At the same time, I can also know that that's very disrespectful. And that's, like, not that great being disrespectful is not that movie probably did more harm to the world than good because you do that and you make people dig in and that's the tough thing i saw this post on instagram yesterday i used to work with this girl at back in seattle at five hooks fish grill i used to work with this girl lauren and she's like this hot little blonde girl who was like super short and cool and like skinny and pretty and like real strong and athletic looking but like real short and and she was always it was hard to read like what kind of person is she and then I found out that she'd done this sort of like practice military thing where you I don't exactly know what it was but it's something where if you consider going into the military you can do like three months or something or maybe even less, just a couple of weeks of a sort of test boot camp uh, because she was considering going into the military in her mid-20s. And I was like so fascinated by that because like, who does that? And then that's what she did. And, and I think she chose later to go into the military. But um, I should have known <laughs> at that moment that being hella military like that probably means that She's culturally a little bit different from me. So now she's a huge anti-vaxxer and she posts all these anti-vaxxer things on Instagram and I'm always arguing with her. And and um, she posted this one thing where this guy posted this thing where he, he basically says, I was thinking about getting the vaccine. I was considering it. And I just wanted to hold off a little bit and see first and give it a little bit of time. And then now you force us to get the vaccine to have jobs. You coerce us. You make fun of us. You call us idiots. And you do all these things. And now I've seen all that I needed to see. And now I know that I'm not getting the vaccine. And God damn it, that's a good point, though. It's a good point. I think half of the harm was done even before any COVID thing even happened. Half of the harm was just how the U.S. government, for example, amongst other governments, just has a terrible track record in acting in a trustworthy way. And they just have all these examples of being not trustworthy. And um, that harm has, was done over the, like before I was born. And my entire life, all these last, you know, six decades, whatever, after World War II, just lots of shit that the U.S. government did that made people not trust them. So that's half of the harm. And the other half is that. The other half is like how we come up with this stuff and we want everyone to adopt it immediately and adopt our side of the ledger immediately. And then when they don't, we just like act in this super immature way. And I'm so guilty of that. I attack people so much. I attack people so much for 
not just immediately adopting all of my opinions and believing everything that I believe. And it's very possible that in my, all of my interactions with people, I've done more harm than good by saying, by telling people, well, that's a stupid opinion. Well, that's a stupid opinion. I, I call people stupid all the time. God damn it, that sucks. I wish I didn't, but I do. And so there's a lot of resentment there. I just feel insecure about it. I act like the, that's the whole thing, right? Like, it's not actually a disagreement about facts. It's about emotions. The whole thing is about emotions. The whole thing is how I'm really just expressing when I call people stupid for not getting vaccinated and not agreeing with me on everything. More than partaking in a scientific back and forth, I'm really just acting out my own feeling of resentment and insecurity. And then they are responding with their emotional thing of, of distrust and being offended and digging in, you know, being defensive, being defensive is a pretty natural first reaction to being attacked. One follows the other, you know, oh man. Such a good movie, though. Don't look up. Like, I had to pause it constantly and just, like, laugh and go back and... <laughs> so many funny jokes. God, I love Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill might be my favorite actor. Jonah Hill might be my favorite actor. He's just so... He's just so funky looking. I don't know if my nose is a little bit stuffed. I hope I don't have COVID, but I did a antigen test this morning, and I think there's a, I think a, there's probably a ten percent error rate with those things, but ninety percent is something. Oh boy, let's do a water maybe because I'm thirsty. We're doing some weird waters today. Um, I didn't know how to pair these up with stuff, so I'm just calling this flower. This is a flower flight because all three are like flowers. The first one here, Lavender Chill is the name of the flavor. Helps support relaxation, sparkling water with L-theanine. The brand is called Limitless. Oh, beautiful lavender smell. Just like clean, straight sweetness though. Wonderful. Very watery. Very watery. Really sort of staying true to what we look for here. This is not a soda. This is sparkling water. Wow. Limitless. That's a 9 out of 10. So I feel like now I've talked about my resentments. My fears are very simple and they are the same as they were last time I did the fourth step and they're the same as the things that my novel is about and it's my fear of <clears throat> later in life being poor later in life being alone and it's a fear clearly informed by watching my dad be in his 60s now and be very lonely and be very poor and that's terrifying to me and he has been sinking into that state of loneliness and poverty for decades. And I saw that as a child 
and I saw that with every year he was lonelier and had less resources and lived a smaller and smaller and sadder and sadder life. And, and, um, it instilled a deep, deep fear in me. And I never really managed to shake that. And that's what it, and that's what that is. And, um, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything else to say about that. It's just like the poverty angle is probably, I just need to keep on trucking and the loneliness angle is that I just have to have friends and keep friends and be good to my friends and maintain my relationships and work on myself so that I'm nice to people so that I don't get rejected by everyone. But I mean, my dad rejected people more than be, be, I mean, I don't know. It might be a mix. Maybe he was rejected by people also because he just, you know. It's just a little bit tough to be around someone like that. I think it's very mutual, actually. You get older and you get a little bit lazier with reaching out, so people reach out a little bit less, and then he interprets that in the worst possible way and just sits at his house. Yeah, I don't know. The third one I'm hesitant to talk about because it's... Um, not the third fear. The third just worksheet is, is sex conduct and harm to others. Hold on, I have to blow my nose. Goddamn, that didn't even really work. I'm stuffy in a weird way where there's nothing really there. Um, the third one, the third worksheet is, is what I had the big mental block on. And it's why it took me two months to do this because I needed to, I was slowly realizing certain things and I needed to implement those changes in my life beyond just realizing them before I could do it. And it's mostly what I talked about in episode 51 of the podcast of just how maybe being single was, maybe my way of being single was just a performance of addictive behavior. And I hate the way that sounds and I hate that it's true. And I, I hate like, I think all of, I think many ways I could say the truth about it all is it sounds gross, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that the reality is super gross. It's not like that I dated even that many girls or anything in 2021. It's more like my attitude towards it was shitty. And my attitude was basically that like what kept me from getting into a relationship and committing to someone was that I just had this addiction to the hypothetical thrill of being single. And it's very hypothetical because it's not actually that thrilling and I didn't spend a weird amount of time on it and I didn't talk to a weird amount of, I didn't talk to a weird huge number of girls or anything. And I didn't, you know, like it's not, 
you know, if I talk to one girl every three months, like that's not that much, you know, but if I mentally cannot give up on the idea of what being single can feel like and the sort of drug-like high that it can be to get validation from a new person and to be addicted to validation from new people or to be addicted to the idea of validation from new people. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's what that was. And then I realized that, and then after realizing it, I was still single and I still talked to a couple of different girls and would still pursue some girls that I pursued some girls that I, mostly wanted validation from and not, I didn't want a relationship from them. And I mean that I don't mean that what I wanted from them was sex or anything else. Just, I just wanted validation. I just wanted them to look at me and say that I was cool. And then once they thoroughly convinced me that they thought I was cool. Once they thoroughly gave me validation for who I was as a person, at that point I had what I needed or wanted, and I began to lose interest. And, um... Oh, I feel so bad and shameful to say that because it's so, it's so unattractive. It's so unattractive. But I think I was finally like ready to give up on that. And I think I finally gave up on that. And I think really, and now we're going back to the thing I also talked about in episode 51 of how sex and love addiction was started by like people who were sober and in AA and they realized that they were transferring their addictive thinking onto people and dating and stuff and and um and i'm realizing that i have to take the attitude of the attitude i had towards my alcoholic thoughts like my thoughts about literally like alcohol i have to transfer my attitude that posture to this cuz basically i'm a stressed out anxious sometimes kind of depressed guy and um, sometimes I just feel like, wow, I want to drink and get wasted. And then when I think that, I have to just relax and realize that I'm negotiating with myself. And I'm creating this big civil war inside of myself where, on the one hand, we're arguing why I should drink. And on the other hand, I argue why I shouldn't drink. And these sides are warring it out. And I have to just realize that I'm actually fighting both sides and I can actually just surrender both sides and just sit and just feel anxious and not even think about why I shouldn't drink and just sit with my emotions and just let it pass over me. And then 10 minutes later, it's usually fine. And I have to just, it's a, it's a, it's an act of giving up. It's a very, very, it's a very meditation adjacent thing. I don't know, for some reason I am. Um, the stuffy nose is making it feel like I, um, 
I'm fighting a South African accent. <laughs> All the words want to come out South African today. I don't know. But I'm not full South African. I don't know. I don't know, mate. But so, yeah, there's something there. So I'm off all the dating apps and I, something, you know, I don't know. And if I go see a girl about a horse, I'll do that not because I want validation, but because I think that there's a possibility of us having a relationship, like a real relationship. Because validation is very fleeting. God, there was something. I talked in one episode about how <laughs> in that weird coming out Connor or whatever that show, I don't remember what the, I don't, I'm not going to remember any of this, but I watched a, a show about how that guy on The Bachelor came out as gay. And then someone on that show talked about this thing from the RuPaul Drag Race about how you have to love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, this is so terrible for me to talk about because what I'm about to say is that in that episode, I didn't remember the quote correctly, apparently. And then Ingrid sent me all these messages after listening to the podcast and being like, dude, you, you remember the quote wrong and the way there's like a nuance difference in how in the wording you say on the show and the actual RuPaul wording and the RuPaul wor wor wording is way more profound. And then now I'm sitting here like, I can't remember what the actual wording is. Okay, pause. Uh, I have to. I have to go check what the actual wording is. <laughs> Thank God I looked it up because that was about to be so meaningless. Okay, so I was saying something like I incorrectly talked about the quote. And was like, if you don't love yourself, how is anyone else going to love you? And then Ingrid sent me all these messages about like, if you don't love your, that the correct quote is, if you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anyone else? That's the real quote. And it's so, and then she had this whole rant about how having kids actually showed her what the thing is about love and being a human being. And the thing is that it's actually much better it's a much more sublime and meaningful experience to love someone else than to be loved, to give rather than to receive love. And that's what it's about. The RuPaul quote is about, you have to love yourself so that you can start giving love. And when you love a kid, it's like you don't love your child because the child is going to give something back to you. It's like this deeply sacrificial act where like in the beginning... A young enough child doesn't even fucking have any concept of loving you back. It's just a little larva, you know? And then, you know, in a, if things progress super nice and everything, they love you back and everything, but it's not even about that. And, you know, I mean, that's just, I sat with that and listened to her talk about that. And she sent me like an eight minute voice message about that. And I... <laughs> Which is also funny because it's like both Ingrid and Julie have this thing of of uh, they they struggle with listening to my podcast because 
they want to jump in. And, you know, if you want to jump in, just send me a message, you know, I'll listen. I want to hear what you have to say. It's all good. I don't mind this being a conversation. The whole point of the podcast is that I do this and, and you know, 30 people that I've met in my throughout my life, they listen to it. And then every once in a while, they send me a message. And then I feel kind of connected to those 30 people. You know, a lot of people reached out <laughs> listening to the last two episodes and was like, are you okay, bro? <laughs> Because it got a little bit rough there for a bit. It got a little bit rough there. Um, 4.30. Am I running out of time? I'm running out of time a little bit here, but but that's all right. Wait. Anyway, the thing Ingrid was talking about is very compatible with the AA thing of... The 12 step, you know, you do the steps and the last step is that you, you're in service of others and the act of being generous and the act of giving and the act of loving other people and all that stuff. It's, it's sort of the final thing, you know, it's the last, it's the last, it's sort of the best we got and the experience of being a human, the highest form of sort of happiness and self-realization and, and just feeling satisfied is to be giving to other people, you know? And so the RuPaul quote is that you have to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, how in the heck are you going to love other people? And I think that's true. And I think all of my times when I'm not being loving and beautiful towards other people are really just an expression of my lack of self-love, my lack of how I don't fully, I'm dissatisfied with myself. And those things are directly correlated, you know? God damn, I love this limitless, though. Lavender chill. Oh, what a good idea. Let's drink another water. Lavender cucumber from Ora Bora. Mmm. Lavender cucumber, two things that can both be gross. I'm sure these Ourobora people found a way to make them both gross. God damn it, that's so mean of me to say. Just because I've had a mixed, mixed experiences with the Ourobora so far. Oh, wow. It's watery, which is good. It's herbal, which is good. The cucumber... There are two very different cucumber flavors. The center of a cucumber tastes very different from the skin of a cucumber. The cucumber is in the background. This is tiny bits of cucumber skin with a lot of lavender. Mm. It's not that bad. That's like a 7 out of 10. It's, It's light. It's got a kind of a gross aftertaste, though. I mean, that's small water, you know? Lemon, lemon cucumber. <clears throat> that's what Ivan and me talked about on one episode, how that's the ultimate small water. And it's... My impression of it is that it's usually just... For some reason, it just feels like 
those flavors are there to mask impurities in the original water. And that's how it feels. Yeah. So, um, the third worksheet in my fourth step, the last worksheet was about sex conduct and harm to others. And in that worksheet, I sort of talk about how there were some women in the last couple of years, like after I got a divorce that I dated and I, I had some addictive attitude towards being single. So I dated them in the way where I didn't fully give them what they deserved. And I was being shitty. And I was being shitty. And maybe now I'm ready to try something a little bit differently. Ooh. Kind of hate this. Kind of. I kind of hate this. But, um, um, <clears throat> it was weird. It's also, um, in the last two months I was trying to do it and I was trying to sit down and do it and look at the piece of paper and be like, what am I resentful of? Like, what's bothering me? And that one weird thing that was stopping me from doing it was that I usually would only have mental bandwidth to do it when I like woke up on my day off, completely rested after having slept like 10 hours and feeling kind of great. And I don't know if this is interesting, but I just felt so good that it was hard for me to retrieve actively. Like what's actually bothering me? Cause it's, it wasn't bothering me in that moment. Cause I was having these like, you know, you sit there on a beautiful afternoon in the sun with a cup of coffee and you're all rested on your day off and it's hard to remember what you're resentful of. But really, the six other days of the week, I'm like a little bit sleep deprived and a little bit pissed off and kind of resentful. So yesterday, very randomly, I had this day off where I woke up at 7 a.m. after having stayed up real late. I woke up at 7 a.m. from a nightmare. Now, it's terrible to talk about dreams, so I won't talk about dreams, but the dream was that I was the lead actor in some motherfucking stage show that was some weird theater experiment where they were really just there for a table read, and we were going to cold read a script, and I didn't even have the script, or I hadn't even read the script, but then I got the script, and it was printed on a big cookie that was chocolate-dipped, and I was procrastinating, and I was like, I was stressed out because I was going on stage, and I wasn't prepared. And it was such a fearful, stressed out feeling that I woke up and I felt like I have to wake myself up completely so that I don't go back to the same dream when I fall back asleep. And then I woke up completely and then I couldn't fall back asleep. So I was there on a day off and I was feeling shit because I'd only slept like four hours. And, and, um, and I had the whole day and I felt terrible and I sat down and I tried to do the fourth step about why I feel terrible sometimes. And it was very easy to articulate it in that moment. I had some very accessible, it's very easy for me to access the thoughts about why I felt resentful and fearful and how I'd harmed people and stuff. Yeah, it's weird. All right. <clears throat>
Let's do another water. So this one is also a flower, but it's not lavender. Pomegranate hibiscus, recess. Maybe all plants are flowers almost. Like maybe, but with hibiscus, what I'm saying, saying that it's a flower is more a culinary statement than a scientific statement. Because maybe scientifically, almost all plants have flowers because that's how they, um, they have some sort of fruit body and some sort of something, you know, because that's how they reproduce. But culinarily, there's a much smaller group of things where we use the flower for something. With lavender, we it's the flower we take and do something with. Whereas with a potato, it's like a potato plant has a flower, but I love it when I just freestyle science on the podcast. That's the best part. All right, so this one smells crazy. Oh, smells like a tea. Hemp extract, American ginseng, lemon balm. Jesus Christ. Lemongrass tea. Ginseng powder. Lemon balm powder. Monk fruit extract. Monk fruit extract is a sweetener. Let's hope they didn't put too much monk fruit in this in this thing. Yeah, that tastes like the sparkling botanicals from Rishi. That's got like this big, wide, broad, full-spectrum tea flavor, like fermented tea infusion flavor. And then a lot of citrusy flavors. And this is too much. It's not watery. It's not refreshing. It's funky. Sometimes I just don't feel like all, like a whole, this is funky as all get out. That's my new favorite expression. <laughs> Saying as all get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a five out of 10. It's too funky and too sweet, too much sweetener. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I don't know. I think we're doing pretty good, bro. I think everything is going to be all right. Not climate change, but everything else. You know? The thing about climate change is maybe we have to just be okay with, you know, suffering and devastation. I think really it's turning out that that's the only attitude to have. You have to just be at peace with like, yeah, 20% of everything. 20% of all land, all people, all animals will just face like devastating annihilating devastation. Devastating devastation. That's just part of what it all is, you know. That's the that's the universe we got. I just wish that modern governance that all these different government decisions in different countries, especially in the US in the last 
70 years that when they did sketchy shit towards their citizens that they knew they could get away with in the short term and that people would only realize 50 years later what they had done. I just wish they all, every time I wish someone walked into the room and said, well, you know, if we keep doing sketchy shit, though, we're going to create a low trust environment. And the downriver effects of a low trust environment are <sighs> limitless, just like the sparkling water. The lavender chill of the downstream effects of lack of trust are, I mean, it's... fucks everything up. People don't believe nothing. Anyway, we're going to call it there and we're going to talk about something else next week. It's just so emotionally upsetting, all of it, but whatever. Reminds me of that weird movie. What's that weird movie where um, it's like a movie about a bishop or something and and he has to go see this one person in his congregation who is an atheist, but it's like some mom is a Christian and goes to the church and, and, um, and he has to go see this one dude in his congregation and, and the dude is depressed and he, the priest has to talk him out of the depression, but the dude is depressed because of climate change. And then everyone, <laughs> all the characters in the movie eventually just get convinced by the, the kid who's obsessed and depressed about climate change and they all become climate change activists but in the end they all just die and it's all failure and yeah great movie recommendation joey joey because you can't remember what the name is of the movie so there you go anyway i love you guys thank you for listening